session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter, or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. I'll announce again the book for this week, uh, which came from a caller. I don't have his name because he called on the air, but I wanted to thank him again. It's my first time reading The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal, The Willpower Instinct, How Self-Control Works, Why It Matters, and What You Can Do to Get More of It. Uh, it's been an interesting read so far, so hopefully you'll join me in reading that, and I'll discuss it on the show on Monday. Uh, I ended the last Monday's show talking about what's happening or what's been going on in Charlottesville, Virginia, this past weekend, where we saw clashes between two different groups of protesters or protesters and counter-protesters, and a lot of issues have been coming up. Um, And of course, President Trump's several responses now, his original response, then he said some things Monday to call out some of the groups, but then again yesterday, in a way, took back what he was saying or pointed to the violence on the left also, or tried to make it seem more like there was two equivalent groups who are battling, and that's what we're dealing with right now. And I think what's very concerning is what we're seeing is the rise of these types of groups of the KKK, the neo-Nazis, white supremacy groups that we are observing, and we don't want to make a false equivalency with groups on the other side. In particular, one group I did want to talk about a bit because of the misunderstandings is the Black Lives Matters movement. Now, there is some things that they have actually taken on or the group has become much more complex as it's evolved, but focusing just on that part, because I think some people misunderstand this idea of black lives matter, because when they hear that, some people think that they're saying black lives matter and other lives don't, or black lives matter more than other lives. And that's actually not at all what that organization is trying to promote or even what those three words are trying to say. Uh, I think it would take the sting out of the, the, the phrase, but really what they're saying is Black Lives Matter too, or also, because it was in response to killings of innocent black individuals where no consequences seemed to happen, where it seemed that it didn't matter that these lives were lost or that there was no repercussions to the people who took those lives. And so as a result, it was that they were saying black lives matter. We have to care that these people are being killed or being hurt. It's not something that we can ignore. And they're feeling that the responses that were being given were that black lives did not matter. So I want to make that very clear because sometimes people say black lives matter and then other people say, uh, no, all lives matter. 
And then you can say, well, all lives matter sounds very good. If you just hear those two phrases, all lives seems to include everyone and black lives matter seems to include only one group. But we have to understand that this idea of the all lives matter movement, and even you actually could hear the chants uh, Friday night in Charlottesville of white lives matter. Um, but nonetheless, coming back to this idea of all lives matter, some people say, see, isn't that better than black lives matter? But they're not, they're missing the point that these people, when they say all lives matter, are dismissing the Black Lives Matter movement of saying that we have to make sure that when a black life is lost, we don't just ignore it or just make it not a big deal, that we have to actually take it seriously. So in a way, the all lives matter people or the people who say that are trying to discount the Black Lives Matter movement. So we have to look at how these phrases and how these movements started and what they mean, because I can understand if someone hadn't known anything and shows up and hears Black Lives Matter and hears All Lives Matter, they can think, well, All Lives Matter seems to make sense and include everyone, whereas Black Lives Matter seems to include just one group. But we, when we look at the history, we see that Black Lives Matter started in response to discrimination and, and a lack of response to the deaths of black individuals, and All Lives Matter was in a way a way of... Uh, almost poking at or making fun of that group or putting what they were saying down and saying, we don't agree with what you are saying. So those that's another way where there is an equivalency there. We have to look at what's going on. But we have to also look at the bigger picture here, that the that there's much of what's being, what's happening is fueled by racism, and that's something that still very much exists in our country. I know that when President Obama was elected for a lot of people, there was idea that now we're living with what we call a post-racial America, that there's no more racism and race doesn't matter anymore because, look, an African-American was elected president, then there can't be any more racism. And this is definitely not true. And I think what we saw this weekend showed that we are far away from getting to a place where there is no racism in the United States um, and across the world as well, but even here at home, and we have to take this issue very, very seriously. One thing I like to always mention is that racism, like anything, is not, uh, no pun intended, a black and white thing, um, because to me, everyone has some level of racism in them. If we were to ask you questions or really go into someone's head and find out all the beliefs they have about different races, we find out that there probably are some beliefs that they have that would be considered racist. So we all have that to a degree. But it depends on, of course, how much we have those beliefs and how we act on them. And first and foremost, we have to first get in touch with ourselves. What do I really believe? What do I think about different groups? We know that the human brain or our psychology can very easily create a us and them dynamic. And this made sense going back to our ancestors, because we had to protect a small group of us because survival was really a big issue, and we had to see others as a them, that we don't do nice things for them, we don't support them, we actually maybe will attack them because we are fighting for scarce resources. We're trying to survive. We're trying to make sure we're okay, so I have to protect my us and be against the them. And we see this is very easy for us to have this mindset. In today's day and age, this us and them should be shifting, although we still have struggles with it where we see people as us and them, but we don't have the same type of challenges we used to have. We don't have to worry about survival, although many people still do. We do have enough resources in the world now where 
No one needs to starve to death. Um, no one needs to die from diseases that we have medicine for and treatment for, but unfortunately that's still happening. So we have work to do, but for us living in the United States, for example, for the majority of us, we don't have to worry about survival, but yet we still take this psychology with us that we have to look at us and them. So we have to recognize that, that this is how we approach the world. And also this us and them fortunately can change. If you've never, for example, met an Iranian and people, many Americans maybe had not, and you hear Iranian, they would just assume the Iran, Iran hostage crisis, the revolution, they're violent, they're all these people. But of course, as any of you listening who is Iranian knows, we are human beings who have the whole range of emotions and behaviors just like every other group. And if they got to know us, they would see that actually we're not that. We're not all terrorists or these evil people who hate America and hate freedom or whatever else they might have heard from certain stereotypes or things that were propagated in the media, they see that we're actually decent human beings. So keep that in mind, that to some group you are a them, that they see as somehow less than human or evil or bad. And the same beliefs you might have for another group, that's the same thing. They're also human, but you just don't know them yet. And ignorance is the biggest way that things like racism survive, because when we don't know another group, we see them as somehow less than. But when you start to interact with people and see that they, just like you, care about the same types of things, they have the same types of emotions that you do, and just like you, they are humans, they are people, your feelings about them as being so different, about being a them, start to fall apart and start to be torn down. So the more we interact with them, the more we see them as human, the less we see them as an other that needs to somehow be defended against or even we need to be aggressive towards or somehow attack. And what we saw in Charlottesville this weekend, unfortunately, we saw that there were these groups that were very much pro-white and anti-everyone else um, and were not really uh, accepting of other people and even see themselves as a minority or an oppressed group and they have to now fight back. And this is actually very scary and they're are apparently several rallies scheduled this weekend for similar types of groups across the country. And I'm concerned about what's going to happen there. And I've been disappointed uh, in what President Trump has done to not only not calm things, but maybe even add fuel to the fire. So I'm very hopeful that this weekend things don't turn ugly, but I, I really have some concerns about that. And then also this idea of, well, they were protesting um, a statue of a Confederate hero being torn down and that this itself is something good because it's part of our history. I mentioned this on Monday night's show. Um, so we have to remember the Civil War was, although very much about economics too, it wasn't just about slavery. So we have to really see the bigger picture, but it also had to do with slavery in a war where the South wanted for slavery to continue and the North was saying we no longer can do that. It's, it's not legal anymore, and it led to a civil war. So those who are the Confederate supporters have to keep in mind that what they're supporting is a war that in a very fundamental way was to continue slavery, or that's what that side wanted to see happen. And how does that make other sides of, of the people, other people feel, especially the African-American group who are seeing that you were promoting this or still wanting to hold on to this lineage, this aspect of our history that was trying to promote uh, slavery or to continue 
slavery. So this idea for me that people are saying, oh, it's our heritage, our culture, doesn't make sense because to keep wanting to praise negative parts of our history, that to me doesn't make sense. Do we see it and understand it? Yes. But do we have to praise it? No. It's like if I wanted to put up a statue to monument the Iran hostage crisis in a good way to take to somehow say, look at what the hostage takers did. That's a part of Iranian history. But if it's one that I'm promoting, it sounds like a pretty bad thing because it was a time that we were taking hostages that were Americans and bad things were happening. So I can't say just because it's part of my culture, we have to praise it and make a statue for it. And if anyone wants to take a statue down related to that, it's a negative thing. To me, that doesn't make sense. We can't just say we're somehow maintaining history or our culture or tradition. We have to look at what that tradition or culture means. If you go to Germany, they don't um, talk about Nazis in a very happy way and promote it and say we should praise them and look at these things. They probably have things monumenting the history in a very sad way. Unfortunately, now we're seeing that in the U.S. there is this rise of neo-Nazis where we actually fought against them in a war 70-some-odd years ago, but somehow that's still happening. And to me, it seems incredibly backwards and very unfortunate. Uh, we'll see how things unfold. But also I mentioned Monday that we can't get rid of hatred with more hatred. And I read the quote from Nelson Mandela, which is one of my favorites. So I will read it again to conclude this uh, portion of the program. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Nelson Mandela. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. So I was, you know, thinking about what I wanted to talk about today. And one thing that's been coming up a lot, both in, uh, in my clinical work, but also in professional, or sorry, personal life, professional life, is this idea of saying sorry. Um, and obviously genuinely meeting it, but how important that can be. So to begin with, when someone hurts us, someone does something we don't like, usually our response is to get hurt first. We feel sad. And then we can go into anger afterwards, especially if nothing happens. But when we become angry, our feeling comes to not resolve the issue, but actually to get revenge or to hurt the other person back. And so anyone who's been in a conversation with their romantic partner especially because these can get heated when they hurt you sometimes you say something hurtful back to them and if you had a cooler head or if we ask you afterwards you might not even really believe what you said you might not even think what you said is true you just said something that you thought would hurt the other person the most this is kind of a way it's a reaction it's also a revenge 
And of course, we know that reacting is not what we want to do. We want to respond. But in that heat of the moment, many of us will succumb to that and respond in a way or react in a way that hurts the other person. Now, although we think revenge is what's going to make us feel better, hurting the other person back, what actually makes us feel better is to get an acknowledgement from the other person that they have hurt us in some way. And that's what, where an apology can go a very, very long way. If we get that apology from the other person, we feel much better. Um, a way I've experienced this that happens pretty instantly, if you've ever been driving, and especially in LA, driving can be quite an adventure at times. But if someone cuts you off, usually it creates a response in you. Of course, part of that is a fear response because they got close. Sometimes, of course, there's a feeling of, oh, the person is going in front of me and somehow we feel like they're you know, taking advantage of us or going ahead of us. And that doesn't feel good, but we might, usually we react pretty strongly. And I'm sure many of you have had the experience of when that happens, you have a response or reaction. And if the person just drives away, you still get very angry. And of course, people do much worse things. Uh, maybe we'll chase the person or just get mad or might even ruin their day. But I've also had the experience where when the person cuts you off, they give you some kind of a signal with their hand. Well, there's one they give you with their hand, which is not so good, but there's another one where they can just put their hand up in a way saying that they are sorry. Basically, they realize that that was kind of close. And instantly, I feel a change. And I think most people feel the same way, that if the person says, I'm sorry, all of a sudden, even though you were getting riled up, it quickly goes away or at least calms down. That just one second acknowledgement of, oh, that was kind of close, sorry, I got a little, you know, that wasn't very nice or wasn't okay, from a complete stranger can make you feel much better or at least make you not get as angry as you would have gotten if they hadn't done that. So when you're in your relationships, in all of them, but especially in your romantic relationships and even as parents, recognizing the power of I'm sorry or I did something wrong is very important. It can be something that actually can make or break your relationship. So you have to ask yourself first, is it easy for me to say sorry or to acknowledge I did something wrong? People have a wide range of their, we can say, uh, disposition to acknowledging wrongdoing. Some people uh, have a very hard time with this. Of course, someone who has, let's say, Narcissism has a very hard time acknowledging wrongdoing, um, but also some people can be very defensive. Or if people are perfectionist, because they feel they have to be perfect, they don't want to acknowledge wrongdoing. I have to be perfect or I'm bad. We know that people who really have perfectionism, they are riddled with anxiety because they feel they have to constantly perform and be a certain way. And if they're not, they are horrible. So if you get upset with them, Unfortunately, rather than saying, oh, maybe I did something that hurt that hurt you because they can't tolerate the feeling of not being perfect, of doing something wrong, they're going to deny it or become defensive or some, find some way to uh, either justify what they did or put the blame back on you. So there's lots of reasons that make people have a hard time saying I'm sorry and apologizing, but it's important for you to think about yourself. How easy it is, is it for me to acknowledge I did something wrong or bad or that I hurt someone? Now, on the other extreme, there's people that apologize actually too much, that are just saying sorry all the time. 
Um, and that's also coming from low self-esteem. They're just worried about hurting people and they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And there's, oh, sorry, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry they hurt you. And they're constantly taking on guilt for things that really they don't need to feel guilty about. And this actually doesn't feel very good for someone in relationship either with that person because it doesn't feel very genuine and it feels almost like you have to protect them. They're so worried about um, hurting you and you see how distressed they become that they uh, actually make you want to protect them. And even if they did hurt you, you might say no because they can't handle hurting you either, but they're going to the other extreme. So you have to look at yourself and ask, how easy is it for me to say I'm sorry? And some people can be somewhere more in the middle where they can try to genuinely look at what they did or uh, how they might have hurt someone and really reflect on it and respond. Now, another thing related to this is the feeling of guilt. And I've somehow sometimes heard people say, oh, guilt is just a meaningless emotion. What's the point of guilt? You should never feel guilty. And many people respond that way. If you um, tell them you feel guilty about something, they'll instantly tell you, no, you don't have to feel guilty. You did nothing wrong. There's nothing for you to feel guilty about. Why waste your time with a feeling like guilt? But as I've mentioned before on this show, all of our emotions serve some kind of a purpose, or at least we want to try to understand what are they telling me and what purpose might they have. And feelings of guilt actually are perfectly healthy and normal, of course, when they are not in the extremes. But to have guilt is a good thing. If you don't feel any guilt, you're actually a psychopath or you have antisocial personality disorder and you're a very dangerous person because you don't feel any guilt or remorse or regret for anything you do. You can hurt or kill someone and use them and you don't feel anything bad because you just see everything and every person as something worth, uh, as a means to some end and that end is something that makes you feel good. So this idea that you shouldn't have guilt ever or if you feel it, something is horribly wrong and you have to get rid of it is not true. It's good that if you hurt someone, if you do something wrong, you should feel some level of guilt. And that's actually the function and purpose of guilt is to allow us to feel something that makes us feel bad to then try to make us right that wrong and not hurt someone again or hurt them in that way. So when you have a feeling of guilt, it's not a huge emergency and you should feel horrible, but look at what you're feeling and why you might feel it, be feeling that way and really take a closer look at, did I do something that hurt someone? What can I do to then fix that problem or to resolve that issue? So if you feel that guilt, if your partner says feels hurt by you and you feel it, or even if you don't really feel guilt, but your partner says you are hurt, your initial response shouldn't be, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not bad but it should be to understand where your partner is coming from. So you might have said something that you don't think it was mean and you weren't trying to hurt your partner, but it hurt your partner's feelings. And although you're not a bad person because it hurt their feelings, you should care that they are upset or hurt and respond to that accordingly. Be like, okay, if you're hurt, that matters to me. Not because I'm bad or I necessarily did something really wrong, but if you're hurt, I care and we're going to talk about it. And the first thing you can always do is a First, you want to understand what they are saying, but once you understand how they feel hurt, if you can give them a genuine apology, this can be the biggest and first step towards resolving things between you and your partner. And again, it could be whoever your partner is. It could be a child, but even um, most commonly a romantic partner is what I'm, I'm talking about or thinking of. It can really go a long way. And even without your partner saying anything, and I've mentioned this before because 
some people like to think, well, I didn't do anything wrong or I didn't do anything bad. And we're not just focusing on wrong or bad. But at the end of each day, you should be able to think of 20, 30, 40 things that you could have done better that day. Not to beat yourself up, not to make yourself feel bad about who you are or what you did, but rather recognizing I can be better. So as good as I was today, I can strive to be better to my partner, better in my interactions, better to myself even. But in all aspects of our life, we should be able to find ways we could have been better and done more and done a better job. So even with your partner, although you maybe weren't mean to them, could you have even been more loving or kind to them? Could you have done something even more, uh, could you given them more in a positive way than what you gave them today? But then when it comes to the apology itself, if you real, really feel it, and it has to be genuine, one of the biggest problems people have with apologies is that they're not genuine. And we, we've all experienced probably giving them and also receiving an apology that was not genuine. And there's a few things that have to be there to make it a genuine apology. One very important one is your motivation. The motivation of a genuine apology is not to be absolved of guilt, but it's actually to express to someone that you feel bad and you are sorry for what you have done. But many people, when they are apologizing, it's not to actually apologize. It's just to make sure that they're off the hook. And how do you see this? Because sometimes someone will say, oh, I'm really sorry I said that yesterday. And the person says, oh, well, I'm still angry. And the person says, oh, well, I said I'm sorry and you're still going to be mad and forget it. Well, that's not a genuine apology. Because in a genuine apology, you understand another layer of it is that the person just from you saying sorry or just from a little bit of time passing isn't necessarily going to forgive you and be past that. And you even let them know, you know, I understand what I did hurt you. And I also understand it could take you some time to forgive me and to, to feel okay about it. And I'm willing to wait for that time and also be there uh, if you need to talk some more about it because I want to, I, I understand how, what I did hurt you. So a genuine apology is more about letting the person know you feel bad rather than making sure they're no longer mad at me. So you see this, see this a lot. People say, are you still mad at me? You're, you're, and I said, sorry, are you still mad? Well, that's not a genuine apology. So genuine apology first acknowledges your own wrongdoing. And also you want to make sure you leave out the word but in a lot of your apologies. And the reason why I say that is a lot of people say, I'm sorry I, I said that yesterday, but you said a lot of really mean things. That takes away from your apology because you're becoming defensive and you're justifying your action. You're not saying, I'm sorry for what I did. You're saying, yeah, what I did was bad, but maybe what you did was actually worse. Or what I did was bad, but it was only in response to your bad behavior. That can come up in a further discussion when you guys try to figure out what happened in your interaction. But if you are really saying, I'm sorry, it shouldn't have that but statement of this is why I did it or you did something worse. Just focus on what you did. Your explanations can come later because your partner might need that to understand why did you say that thing? Why did you do what you did? But at first say, I'm sorry for what I did. You also acknowledge how you could understand that it hurt them, that that makes sense to you because that's very important when we're hurt. We want to feel validated. When someone says, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that hurt your feelings, that makes it seem more like it's about them and not that you did something. Basically, it's like you're saying, you're so sensitive, I'm sorry that hurt you, but I did nothing wrong. That's not a genuine apology. A genuine apology acknowledges I can understand that what I said hurt your feelings. That makes sense. I can understand that that was hurtful, and that's why I feel bad about it. Not, you're so weak that what I said hurt you, and I'm sorry you're feeling sad. 
that's very different. So we have to acknowledge that part too. It sounds not that different, but sometimes people say it in that way. And we have to understand that the person hearing, that's not going to feel like we really understand what they're feeling. And then lastly is the part about, I understand it could take you some time to forgive me. And also, oh, and there's another part, I don't want to hurt you in this way again. So although we can never make a promise that I'll never ever do something, but I we will, we're saying that we will do what we can to make sure we don't hurt them in that same way. Because I know that hurt, I don't want to hurt you in that same way again. I understand how that's hurtful to you, so I won't do that again. That's very important. And then lastly, it can take you time to forgive me, and I can understand that. I'm not expecting that you forgive me instantly. And I'm here if you need to talk more to help you in understanding what happened and to get you in that place. But I'll give you your time to get to that place where you can forgive me if it is possible. If we do these things, you're very likely going to resolve a lot of your conflicts in a positive way. But for many of us, uh, saying sorry is difficult. You know, we talk about that. Sometimes when someone apologizes for what they did, we say, wow, they were the bigger person. And, and often they are. It's not easy to do. So I, I encourage everyone to recognize the significance of, that, of an apology, a genuine apology to anyone that you care about and how it can go a long way in healing their pain or the pain that you might have caused them and also in making your relationship with them stronger if you can then resolve your issue or conflict in that way. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hi, doctor. Hello. Um, okay, I have a more like a dilemma. Okay. So uh, last week I got connected with this uh, guy that um, I'm actually, let me go back. So I'm on this dating gap mm-hmm. and um, I got connected last week with this guy um, and um while I was going through his pictures, so in a way that you can click on a picture and it gets bigger on the phone. Uh-huh. So it says, it says the, the last name and like, he's a doctor. So he ha- he's like, doctor so-and-so, right? Uh-huh. So I Googled him, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so I, I know about him a lot. And he's, he actually is a very high profile a plastic surgeon, okay. and um, uh, but okay, he he's, we started talking, and um, let me ask you if you how old are you and how old is he? Oh, I'm uh, I'm forty and he's forty three. Okay. Um. So he, we started talking, um, and then he uh, through the app, and then he said that oh, right now I'm in a, a job transfer mode that I have to go temp- uh, temporary to New York, um, but I'm going to come back to L.A. Um, and I said, that's not a problem. And In how like, long? He said for uh, for a 
short period of time, okay. uh, only replacing a colleague that he is basically is taking a teaching job in a hospital, uh, temporary, okay. just uh, replacing another colleague. Um, and then he said, I'm, I'll be back L.A. Uh, in a month. And I said, and we can meet each other. And I said, okay, perfect. Um, and um, meanwhile, I'm I'm googling, I'm doing my research, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and um, so he he said that I asked him. I said, "Have you been married? And uh, any kids or stuff like that?" And he said, uh, "I've been divorced and no kids." And meanwhile, I see that this doctor, who is but like he has h- such high activity online, like Twitter and Instagram and everything, I see that he has daughters and he has a wife. The person with this same name? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and then he started like uh, like uh, last last night, he actually wrote a very long, loving, lovey-dovey um, message to me. And, and, and meanwhile, he said, let's get out of the app, which I did not. Um, and let's go through another uh, telegram so we okay. can talk, so we can talk and message each other easier. So I listened to a couple of his interviews, actually, uh, the actual person. Okay. Uh, so I would know the voice when I'm talking. I would, you know, I would connect that if it's him or no. And anyways, I keep asking him to let's talk on the phone, let's talk on the phone, but he's just saying, no, I'm busy, I can't, no, I'm busy, I can't, and blah, blah, blah. So uh, last So you guys haven't talked on the phone? Okay, go ahead. No, 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 we haven't. We haven't. He's just texting me, and um, last night it was just insanity that he's like, I'm in love with you, and I want to marry you uh, if you grant my proposal well, hold on hold on you guys haven't even spoken on the phone and he wants to marry you exactly yeah exactly. i don't know if he's a, a fake doctor or not but he sounds like he has fake love um for sure okay and then i told him i said this is insane it is and yeah rather the fact that you haven't met me you don't know my voice um voice you not, don't yeah. even know me no so that's why I just um, now, like I'm, I'm debating: should I contact this actual doctor and tell him like somebody else is using your name, pictures, and your reputation to like get girls? But I don't know, like if that's the right thing to do. Is it my place to do that or no? Like I feel a responsibility to let that doctor know. But I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do. Mm, I mean, that part's a little bit complicated. So have you, I just wanted to be clear on your side, you've made a decision you don't want to keep talking to him yourself, right? No, well, today I Uh sent him a message. I said, uh, I have a task for, I have a task for you. So one, I want you to prove to me somehow that you're actually in New York. And then the second is that I want you to prove to me that you are exactly who you say you are. Okay, let me... So, so are you in love with him? No. Okay, that's, that's good. That's a, I'm happy to hear that. But what are you trying to accomplish by, you know, um, having him prove where he is? Oh, I, I think this is 
just the way I want to say, like, you know, you're fake. I don't want to talk to you. But even if it was, if he was real, would you want to talk to him? Uh, not that because no, because that, he's crazy. Well, that that's what I'm concerned about. But it seemed like your no is not a very strong no. It seems like if he really is who he says he is, you might want to talk to him. Um, I would like to meet him. If, okay, if that's he, yeah. That concerns me a little bit because what this guy's saying is is crazy. Um, he won't even find the time to talk to you, but he's in love with you and wants to marry you. Mm-hmm. Does it make any sense to me at all? And the fact that you're going along with the journey concerns me. And this is why I I have you know when it comes to online dating, I think I am very much recommended to a lot of people because I think especially in the Persian community, there's still a stigma, but we shouldn't be afraid to go online to date. Um, but you have to be very aware of it's a different type of format. And so I say, one, you don't, you want to meet as soon as possible. And mm-hmm. even as, you know, I think sometimes women feel like, oh, is it weird if I'm saying I want to meet? You say, no, we meet in a public place at a coffee shop during the day even, but just to see each other within a week. Don't even wait that long because of this reason. I see so many people start text relationships and they're just texting and Texting all day can give people this feeling that we're together all day and we know each other so well, but they don't know each other at all. And I've heard of so many people that meet after texting for a couple of weeks like this and they think they love each other and they see each other and it's the most awkward feeling ever because they realize they don't know each other at all, but they've been creating this fantasy relationship in their head that they are perfect for each other, head over heels for each other, know each other so well. It was as if I was talking with you and walking with you through my whole day, but they don't know each other at all. So I'm very against texting relationships. Um, You have to quickly get on the phone and then even also quickly see each other in person. Um, Because what you have with him, it seems like maybe you got caught up. You might maybe started creating this fantasy of him too, that maybe this prestigious, very well-known doctor is in love with me. Um, I kind of did, like yeah. in the beginning, in the beginning, like the first day, maybe first three day, uh, in the beginning, yes, like I was thinking, oh my God, what a crazy a coincidence is this that, and he's Persian also, uh-huh. and that's just such a crazy coincidence to me, and I was just, I was just, you know, going along with the with the conversation and um i was believing what he said uh one thing that i what at one point that i knew he was lying is because that doctor is actually tweeted that he's going to san diego for a conference this Uh weekend Mm -hmm. while i purposely asked this person i said um are you actually in new york right now and then he said yeah i am like okay i know you're lying yeah but you know but even if it was really so i have a few thoughts that come to my mind it seems pretty clear that this person is lying um and you know a lot of people experience this they they date there's a lot of fake profiles and fake people out there and uh, whether it's facebook or you know these dating apps there's a lot of that that happens and to the point where there's something called getting catfished. It's a term for when you people are starting a relationship with someone online and it turns out it's not who they don't claim to they're not who they claim to be. So there's that part of it where it seems like this guy's not really there, but then there's a part where you seem to have gotten very swept up in this, where even if this really was the guy, if he really was who he said he was, 
I would be very concerned that you were okay with things going the way they did. The way that he's not talking to you, um, the way that he is, you know, just treating the whole thing, that he writes you this lovey-dovey long text message, and you said it's been less than a week. Um, that to me is, is that's something that you should be concerned about. What am I, what am I getting myself into? What am I, what am I doing here? Yeah, that's true. So that that to me is concerned. I don't think about it like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you now you seem like in, at one level you're into this like uh, investigation where you're trying to figure out who this guy is and am I going to tell this other doctor about what's going on? Maybe somewhere you have this fantasy you tell this other doctor about what's going on and then the real doctor comes and falls in love with you. I don't no, know. No. <laughs> but but somehow you're getting yourself a little bit too involved with this whole situation. I think you did get swept up in. In, in feeling that you were creating this relationship with this person where really there hasn't, again, you said last week, so it's been about a yeah. week. Yeah. It's like last Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have been texting, like, has, does he consistently text with you? Yeah, he does. Every day he texts me and like, he, if, if in the beginning he was saying, yeah, we can build a relation, oh no, a friendship like this and they start getting to know each other. And I always told him, I said, until I see you, my logical side of my brain is going to overrule my emotional side. So mm -hmm. don't even expect anything from me. And he said, okay. Okay, well, that part, I like that you said that, but you didn't completely follow through. It seems like your your uh, emotional side just uh, kicked your rational side to the curb a little <laughs> bit and, and took over. Because it seems like you've developed feelings for him. Yes, I'm, I'm not going to lie. In the yeah. beginning, yes, but now like I, I laugh at him. Uh, especially last night's message, it was just insanity to yeah. me. It was, what are you serious right now? It, this is impossible. Yeah, that I mean, it, this it's getting pretty bad now. Have you yourself been married before? No. Okay, and what are you looking for? As far um, as relation, do you, do you want to get married? Do you want to? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I am. I I wanted to settle down and have my own family. But um, I, I like to have the person that I'm looking for um, right. who is, like, there and emotionally. And, and real, also. And real. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty big that. one, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, what I want to do is talk a bit more about this situation, but more about you two to understand, because what we always want to do in any situation we find ourselves in is learn more about ourselves, not just deal with the situation itself. And there's probably a lot we can learn about you from what, you're experiencing with him and what you've created and and what else is going on so hang on the line and after the break we'll talk a bit more uh, about your situation and and why you maybe are finding yourself where you are right now okay okay all right you're listening to in session with dr fatty delacqui we'll be right back Back before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay, I was worried you had already planned your 
wedding while I was gone. Hopefully, hopefully you haven't gone that far yet. Okay. Um, so let, to, so we can focus on this situation first, like I said, but I want to get into understanding you a little bit more because it seems that you, like you said, got swept up in this. I can understand when you first, uh, however you matched or found him on the dating site and you guys started communicating, he seems like a good prospect being mm-hmm. a plastic surgeon and age, you're 40 and he's 43. I don't know if you found him attractive, but okay, he seemed like a good prospect. I can understand you got excited, um, or at least were interested. But then it yeah. seems like you let yourself get swept up into this whole uh, we're falling in love with each other even though we don't know each other type of a thing. And when he sent that long text saying we can get married and do all these things, you know, that should be a red flag and such a big red flag that it makes you put up a white flag that you give up and you're, you don't want to continue. But somehow it seemed like you were still intrigued to figure out what's going on here. Um, so what's you? What would you like to do next? What's your plan? I um, I I'm hoping he never responds to me. Okay. Um, what I asked him this morning, and um, and that would be it. But if 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 he does, I'm I'm not gonna go ahead and respond. I I think uh, I. You know, it just it takes you to such emotional roller coaster. Uh-huh. It's just such a craziness. Uh, so I, I'm not going to respond. And you're definitely I'm hoping that he never responds. Okay, so. well, it's possible he does, and we have to, you know, it's going to be up to you what you do next, because whether he responds or not, it's up to you what you respond or how you respond or don't respond. And you're definitely not the first person to experience something like this. There's a there was a show on MTV. I don't know if they still have it called Catfished, where people. Um, started even long, you know, year-long relationships or even multi-year relationships with people they met online, and it turned out it wasn't the person. But um, so you're not the first person to to fall prey to something like this. But I do want you to think about, okay, what got me to where I am today? That within a week, I created all this with this person, and I'm feeling all these things for someone who probably isn't even that person, but if you ask me, even if this was the real guy, and I don't think I would be interested. Okay. Uh, first of all, when because I saw his Instagram and all of his tweets and all that stuff, I I personally don't see myself with that type of a person. He he is very like involved with himself and all that stuff. So and I don't think I'll be a good match for him. Or he for him for me. So so there's that. But I'm saying even if he was a good match for you, but that after a week he's in love with you and, you know, not communicating with you in a way that makes sense, that to me I would hope would be an issue for you too. Yeah, because, well, the, the other thing that I'm thinking, I said, okay, if somebody can easily uh, fall in love without seeing or talking or anything you can fall out of love very quickly also yes i mean it's not genuine yeah okay that i would hope that and sometimes people you know this actually happens more and more people uh, i was reading some article on this i forgot what the term was but for people that they kind of over their dis overly romantic at the beginning and it's very fake but people it feels so good that they fall victim to it and then they disappear um, after a little bit of time there's all these new 
types of things like ghosting and other types of ways that people are uh, we have new terms for things that, that didn't exist before but that can happen but it seems like he was giving you that was he in general overly romantic in how he was texting you from the beginning well in the beginning he wasn't that overly romantic but then uh, like um i think starting sunday he started doing that and i okay. was just i was just getting this weird feeling that oh my this is such craziness and then till last night when he said that i said oh my god no way were you guys texting the whole day like throughout the day no 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 he he usually texts me like in the morning very early in the morning and late at night very early in the morning i mean 2 a.m or 4 a.m and then at night maybe it's like 10 Okay, but were you guys going back and forth a lot? Uh, I I had questions for him, um, especially like when he's divorced and all that stuff that he's claiming. Um, But he he answers it in a very short, like, response. But then he wrote this uh, uh, long thing that... uh, you came to my life and you changed my life and i said i'm not in your life i'm in your online life but not <laughs> real life mm-hmm. yeah and um he he said no you don't understand you changed my perspective and stuff like that I, said, I don't know if i have that talent but okay thank you for the compliment yeah okay so this guy seems like he's um i, I don't know if i mean he has obviously has a plan which is to make you think he's falling in love with you and there's really nothing there. Or if he was being genuine, which it doesn't sound like it, then he would be crazy in, in that way too. But what you have to be aware of is a lot of people like that feeling of, oh, maybe I did change his life. Because what we see in the movies and what we hear in songs sometimes makes us think this is what romance is supposed to be like. You came in my life and nothing's the same and everything is better now and food tastes better and the sunset is more beautiful. After just like a week of a few texts here and there it does sound pretty crazy so you know Mm -hmm. my thinking though is you said you did get swept up into it too and you said you're 40 never married before yeah but you've always wanted to get married uh yes but my life has been had been not a smooth one so i had such a uh, like lots of ups and downs and um I was always busy with work and school, and um, I uh, I actually never had the chance to deeply get involved with someone. But I feel like now I um, I, ca- I am actually working on myself. Also, I go to therapy Good. every week uh, for like two and a half years. Good for you. Great. And um, and. Um, the, uh, the thing is that I think I I have an issue of to be too nice and mm. um, and um, but anyways like well let uh, me ask you if you yeah I'm on that so you, you said work in school and you said I didn't have the chance and as busy as you might have been that tells me that you probably didn't give yourself the chance but we'll talk about that what did you exactly. do what is what did you study for in school and what do you do for work. I'm, I studied accounting and I do an accounting okay. right now also. Okay. Uh, but but when I say like I didn't get a chance, is like I feel like 
at back then, I didn't know myself as much as I do right now. And the type of relationship I created, it was just uh, very uh, shallow. I never let myself to be open and yeah. get connected deeply with the other person. Right. And that's why even uh, I was thinking about that, uh, you know, just in the way that you're saying you're starting to have feelings for this person, that there was also something safe about not having to get close to him, but feeling so close to him that maybe mm-hmm. was uh, appealing to you. So when you say my life has had ups and downs and, and things like that, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I, um, I migrated to the United States when I was 24, and um, it was just, um, it's a, it was a difficult year those days, adjusting to this culture and language and everything, mm-hmm. going back to school and starting everything from zero. It was just a challenging time, sure. those times. But right now, I'm in a good place, and um, I think I'm in a good place. I'm sure you're you're in a good place and you're working on getting to a better place, which is good. Now, even in Iran, were you dating much uh, before you came to the United States? No, because, uh, no, because, uh, because, like, uh, my family was a type of family that they would say, okay, if you're dating, this guy needs to be your husband. Mm -hmm. That, That was the mentality at that time, but... Um, no, yeah. I wasn't. So was so. It seems like there was a pressure on you that dating meant had to be something serious. And were there yeah. even more pressures of even like dating makes you bad if you're just to date or to like someone or exactly. Okay, so exactly the, that was from your parents. They were pretty strict in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and I know it's also a cultural thing in being in Iran too. But um, seems like you got those messages from them mm-hmm. about. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes, I do have two sisters. Two sisters, okay. And were they the same with them also? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, okay. so dating was something not acceptable. Okay, and then you came here, and uh, it took you a while. Now, tell me about your mom and dad. Well, my dad passed away a long time mm, ago. I'm sorry to hear um, that. And my mom, she's here with us, and um, she's good. <laughs> um, I don't know what... What can I say about her? Well, I mean, about their personalities, even your father, how old were you when he passed away? Oh, I was 21 when he passed away. Okay, so it was a few years before you came to the U.S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm sure that loss must have been very difficult for you. Yes. Um, okay, so can you tell me about them, about your your mom and dad, just like their personalities? What are they like? What were they like? Um, well, I can say... Um, I can't rem- I remember my dad. He was very strict, but but my mom, she's very nice and sweet. And I think um, I kind of got that from her to like not say no to anyone. Uh-huh. Um, but my dad was very very strict. He very strict. Was he I- abusive in any way? Uh, no, no, no. But he's very strict. Very strict. So you, w- was it hard for you to get close to him? Yes. Well, he he was always working. Like he was always busy working. We we barely like we only had time on um, Fridays because that's the Sunday right. over there. And um, Friday afternoons we had like um, family things we would do. But otherwise, we were all he was always busy, travel for work and all that stuff. I see. So you wouldn't see him much. 
No. Well, so I'm sure that's something you uh, you wish you had him more. I can imagine as a kid, and of course, then you lost him at at 21. Um, mm-hmm. So there could be some issue you have with getting close to men that you never had that with him in yes. any way, and you still actually, struggle with that. I actually worked on that good. with my therapist. Very uh, good. Uh, yeah, and um, she she actually brought that up, and we kind of worked on that, and that's why I'm thinking like. The way that I feel and I um, get closer to men, it's so much different than what it was like 10 years ago. Okay, what was it like 10 years ago? Um, I I never get too close to them. I would never share, like, my feelings. I was so, like, um, in a cold side, you know? I can't can't express myself. Yeah, and I think that cold side was a protective side. I think you were a little bit afraid of them or afraid to get close uh, that it wouldn't be good. Because even when you said I didn't have time um, because of school and work, you know, and you caught yourself in a way that, that that's kind of an excuse. You know, they're, you're busy, but we, we have to be able to balance everything together. And I think you were afraid of that. I'm very happy to hear you're going to therapy and committing to that, uh, to working on yourself, because you deserve that. And maybe that means you're going to be more open to something now. Um, but maybe what you're experiencing with this guy, and it's only been a week, uh, yeah. but some of it, I think, has to do with the safety of getting close to someone at a distance. So not getting that close, but feeling like this guy is in love with you or telling you that and you were developing some feelings and he was a great catch as far as what you knew about him on the surface. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you allowed yourself to get swept up in it and it's something to be aware of because... Next time it could even be a real, this guy seems like he's not who he says he was, but even next time it can be the real person. But if it goes like this, it's up to you to not let that happen and not let yourself get swept up into that. And that's why for me, those issues of talking on the phone very soon, don't keep it as text only, and then seeing each other, which it seems like you were trying to do, but he was giving you this excuse of, I'm in New York for a month. Um, but those for me are very important issues for online dating that you see each other very quickly within even a week. Just, uh, and, and again, it's not that you're saying I want to see you cause I like you so much. It's just to see what we have here. If there's some chemistry, cause you can only tell so much about chemistry on text or even on the phone. You have to really see each other face to face to see, see what's there. So, you know, continue with the, the therapy. I'm happy to hear you're doing that, but I think your fear of intimacy is something that you said you're working with or fear of even men, but continue looking at that. As far as contacting the doctor, we we haven't talked about that for a little bit, but I wouldn't say that's your responsibility to do that. Uh, There's a lot of people that make fake profiles. um, So you, I don't think you have this responsibility. You have to go tell this guy uh, what's going on. That's up to you. I'd focus more on yourself, which it seems like you're doing. And, yeah. and just, you know, keep looking online, but, you know, try to learn from what happened with this guy that yeah. you don't want to let it develop in the way that it is. And it, whether he's actually the person or not, his feelings seem very fake more than anything. And that yeah. to me is important for you to remember for your future online dating uh, experiences. Okay. Thank you so sure. much. Thanks for calling. talking to you. Likewise. So nice talking to you. Take care of yourself. Thank you. All Bye. right. Bye-bye. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back.
welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to another caller, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello and good afternoon. Good afternoon. I want to talk about uh, the similarity that there are error in the people that I make relationship with them. Okay. I've noticed that, or I mean, reviewing my history, and uh, now I want to share it with you and okay. see how can I fix it. Uh, I just uh, want to give you a brief information about myself. I'm 42. I'm I have two master's degree. I'm working on the second one. And uh, I belong to upper, in uh, not upper, but uh, more than uh, my parents are uh, educated, and we are three kids in the family. Okay. On the uh, oldest one, and uh, I've been working as a professional person. I uh, and I've been working on my self awareness for 15 years. And now I got to the point that I uh, define myself as a person who is very committed to whatever comes in my life, from my job, my education, my relationship. And I try to do my best. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been looking for the people with this. uh, And these uh, criteria have been the uh, main criteria for me to make any kind of relation, including find uh, girlfriends or the any relationship with the opposite sex. So list the, what are those criteria again? Uh, being responsible, okay. self-aware, and uh, honest, honest and uh, committed. Okay. And uh, uh, usually, I I find those kind of people who are successful, and uh, then usually I'm not looking for religious people, but people who have, uh, who are really committed to their morality in their life. And uh, I find those people, and I get aligned with them, I'm in their relationship. But finally I get to the point that, uh, you know, the people I've experienced, uh, they are, um, they know that they are really good, and, so, um, and after a period of time, when they feel more comfortable with me, uh, they start to show some behavior that I really don't like. Okay. Uh, I just want to give you an example. Well, let me ask you something else. Have you been married before? Uh, yes, for seven years, and we divorced very peacefully. We didn't have any kids. And uh, still, still, we are not friends that talk with each other. But if I'm, I'm very comfortable to call him and ask him, for example, for help to one of okay. my friends, or yeah. How long? How long ago did you get divorced? Uh, eight years ago. Okay. And afterwards, I haven't been any. Uh, I've been just in one three years uh, relationship with someone. And then interval because I uh, came from Iran to the States, and that's why I didn't get opportunity to make any other relationship. But the relationship I'm talking about it is regarding to a relationship which started almost two years ago. Okay. We were meeting each other up and out. Uh, he was a graduated person, very normal and humble, and very normal person. Uh, and he was a university professor. And uh, finally I got to the point that he um, he's kind of 
selfish. And he has he he has been in different relationships with three or four people in his life, but he never got to the point that be able to make final decisions. Uh-huh. Uh, my point is that uh, I had the same issue in my previous relationship, and that uh, issue is that uh, I'm just gonna want to explain it through one example. I was moving from my previous my apartment to a new place and I was really in need to help me to someone to help me to fit, to install something in my home. I asked him, can you please do it for me? And I never asked him to do anything. I never, I usually very independent and as long as I can do something, I'm not going to ask for help. And he knew about it. And he said, okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, he didn't, uh, um, and he told me that the following day he's going to come and uh, install that part in my apartment. And before installing that, I couldn't move there. And uh, then he changed his plan, and finally in the following after afternoon, he texted me that I cannot come because I'm stuck at home grading my papers. And I was part thinking because, you know, we were not controlling each other and there was no reason to lie. And uh, I believed that. And uh, when I got a chance, I thought that he is really a stock at home grading his paper. I bought a lunch and went to his place. He wasn't there. And before going there, I called him and asked, okay, are you at home? Where are you? What do you want for lunch? He didn't get back to me. I thought perhaps he had put his cell phone on silent note. I took something randomly and went there. He wasn't at home. And, uh, after, and then I called him and said, okay, I'm here. Why don't you open the door? Aren't you at home? He didn't get back to me. And after 30 minutes, he called and he was mad that, why did you come to my place? I said, I just came to, because you told me you're at home and you're busy. I thought perhaps you even don't have a chance to have lunch. And I came to visit you. And uh, Let I me ask you something. Where were what? Where was your relationship with him? Were you guys in a committed relationship? No, not. I don't even can uh, call it a relationship. We were so, meeting each other. Well, okay. But we were very close. Well, very why close not? Why, what does that mean, though? Because even one of the things you said you really want in someone is commitment or someone who's committed. But here, okay. I'm trying to understand your relationship with this man. Because if you're not in a relationship, then maybe you coming to his house. Maybe you're not at that point yet, but. That's what I'm trying to understand, where you were with him. Okay, we were working on a relationship. We haven't been committed, but we both knew that we are not dating any other person. Okay, so you were in an exclusive I relationship. Were, I, can't come, I can't call it a relationship because... Are, uh, okay. are you sure you want to commit to someone? Yes. Okay, because yes. the way you yes. keep talking, I mean, it seems like you're very hesitant yourself. No, no, no. I don't have any hesitation. But uh, he was, um, as I mentioned before, he is the kind of person that he has been very close with three or four people during his life, but he has never been able to make final decisions. So, well, by final decision, you mean to get married. He made a decision, but to separate. Uh, because, uh, um, yes, I did. Right. And we were, uh, for seven years, finally we got to a different point in our life. 
No, I understand. Yeah. You're saying he he got close to three different women, but he never could make a final decision. You mean he didn't get married to them? He made a decision no, to end no, the relationships, right? No, he didn't. Okay. No, he didn't. And uh, okay, it was it wasn't something abnormal to visit each other. Okay. We used to go out with each other, and it wasn't for me. It was very normal to during the day. Even if he had told me that he's not at home, I wouldn't take risk and drive all the way. Anyhow, after that day, I was so upset, and I, then he uh, called me. I said, okay, never lie to the people who are honest with you. And that was the last conversation I had with him. Uh, and after an hour, he sent me a text and said that you shouldn't come to my house before telling me. I said that I called you, you didn't answer your phone, and I just, it's not something that uh, I think I shouldn't do that. And he said that you came because you didn't believe me. And now, is that tr- do you think that's true at all? No, I went there because I had believed him. I was thinking he's really uh, got a stock at home grading his paper. Okay, now let me stop you there. Do you think you were upset with him that he didn't come to your house to work? No, no, no. You I'm weren't? Upset. No. I, I can understand if you were, he told you he was going to come and then he didn't come. Uh, yes, I was upset, but okay. it was... Compared with the second, the following. Thing, no, I understand. Like, I'm saying even the fact that you were going to go see him. Maybe you were. I think you were upset with him. I, um, you know, I'm a very realistic person. When someone says that I'm, I've got to start staying at home. I know that grading the papers because they, they usually they have a deadline to uh, bring the papers back to the university. That's okay. why I believe that. I, I'm, it's not about belief. I'm just saying, I, I'm trying to understand what you were feeling because I can understand if he said, I'm going to come tomorrow to install this into your home and you said, I can't move in until this thing gets installed. And okay. then he says, I'm grading paper or something that he probably had some idea of from beforehand. I can understand if you were upset, but it seems like you're having a hard time acknowledging you were upset. Uh, I told him, and he, uh, okay, I forgot to add that. Uh, based on what he had told me, the following day he had planned to travel abroad. It means that if he wouldn't come to my place during that day, uh, I couldn't move to a new place for a week while he was traveling. Okay. And Unless you had someone else install it, of course. Oh, pardon me? Unless you have someone else install whatever it was. Uh, I, I, I did that, but since he had told me that I was going to come. Okay, my point is, even when I hear you talk, it's it seems like it's hard for you to say, I was upset with him. I was My feelings were hurt. I, I still haven't heard you say that. It almost seems like you don't want to say, you say I wanna, yeah, I'm want i realistic. But it tells almost it tells me that you prefer to be rational than to let yourself feel your emotions, but then your emotions actually are going to be affecting you much more than you realize. Okay, I, so I need to say that uh, my emotion, emotional part, which was hers, was 20% of the whole thing. The 80% was that I, my, the feeling I had is that uh, he doesn't value our relation. Sure, okay. That was the thing which was bothering me. I can me. understand that, yeah. The, and uh, I had seen that trend uh, during uh, our, I mean, the time that we were dating each other and now as, as i mentioned that i have noticed the same trend in my previous relation i'm i'm usually very helpful and try to help most of the people not just the people who are my close friends or uh, i'm in relationship with them 
Uh, but uh, there, once I pick someone or the other people to get closer to him or her, uh, it means that we have a lot in common. And one of those things is that uh, I think we, as a human being, we need to be able to help the other people as long as we can. And we need to respect uh, the relation we have, no matter is it opposite sex or two close friends or my neighbors. That's the thing that uh, it actually allows me to start new relationships. Uh, and the thing that I've noticed is that uh, I really respect the other people and I try to value and tell how valuable they are for me. But then I don't get that uh, actually feedback or the same. Reciprocated, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it uh, actually stops me and I lose my uh, actually interest to follow and, I mean, extend that relation or relationship. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so, and that's the reason that I'm I'm not in a relationship. No, it makes them, I've noticed that that's the only criterion that I rarely find in people, and that's why I'm, I'm now I've been alone for months or years <laughs> well I mean and I can understand and even the way you laughed I think that was covering up some pain that you don't feel very good about that no I don't no. I really don't yeah And but I, even if, when you tell me about this guy uh, you said you were involved with him for you said about two years yes. or three years or two years two something years. like that but it seems like he never really gave you a commitment uh -huh. okay which I'm wondering I, why you stayed with him if he wasn't going to give you a commitment. He kept being very... Again, it reminds me of the, the last caller, too, where maybe you want something, but you're also afraid of it, that you're not... You're staying with someone who's not giving you what you want. Uh, okay, the reason I... I know that there are some people that they get involved with a relationship that they uh, that they know there is no... Uh, future, that. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, no future for that. And the reason they do is because they are not ready mentally to accept any commitment. No, the reason that I uh, stayed with him were two things. First of all, overall, he was a person that meeting 80% of my expectation as a human being. The second thing was that I knew that he he's out of um, three years, very uh, actually involving relationship, and uh, I knew that he needs time. And I was with him for the first year. We were just very close friends that I was trying to help him. He was in a really bad mood. And um, th that was the reason I stayed with him. And, well, okay, but it seems like it wasn't a relationship. You were helping him. Uh, it, you know, we didn't start with the intention to get to a relationship. We were kind of... What friends. was your intention? Just get to know him and make sure that am I interested or not. Okay, so you you had a hope for a romantic relationship with him. Mm, actually, I it's a good question, but I don't have a clear answer for that. Okay, because it seems to me like you wanted that, and the way the relationship started, it was very much you giving to him. He was in a bad place. You were being there for him, but then... Uh, over time, you wanted to get more back from him, but he didn't give it to you. But it seems like from the beginning, the relationship was very one-sided. Uh, I do agree that was 
the dental kind of that thing, but yeah. the reason that well, I how don't... about this? We're about to we're at a break. I want to talk to you a little bit more, so okay. just hang on the line, and we'll talk after the break. Oh, okay? okay. Thank okay. you. You're listening to In Session with Doctor Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Back before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her. Hello. Hello. Okay. So we were talking before the break. You you brought up this one relationship, and it seems like this theme. Almost, you were bringing it up because you said you have relationships like this, where it seems like you give more than you get. That's something that I was just feeling from what you said, and even with this gentleman that you were trying to help him in a really dark time for him after a breakup, which to me is not a good time to get to know someone if you want to have a relationship with them because you need to let them grieve that loss without you if you want to be a future partner. But nonetheless, you were there for him. But I feel that once you felt like he was feeling better, you expected to get more from him, but it was still one-sided. And maybe this incident where you wanted him to move something in for you or help you install something in your house and then he ended up not coming, I think you were hurt and it was indicative of this bigger picture issue for you that you were giving more than he was giving to you. And uh, actually, the, um, what he was supposed to do for me was nothing. It was one, I mean, one person of the whatever I need to do uh-huh. during the process of moving. And I actually, honestly, I didn't expect him to do it because we are in a, we are working on a relationship. I just, it was my, uh, it was the general expectation as a human being. That was how, how I was looking at it. At it. And I had told him... Uh, well, I mean, but let me stop you there for a second as a human being. Because what does that mean? You don't mean any person should come over to any person's house as a human. You mean someone that you had some type of relationship with. You know what I yes. mean? So you yeah. felt that... So I know you're saying... I think you're saying you didn't have that expectation, but it was based on some expectation. I don't think you expect some random person walking down the street to say, I'd like to come install some appliances for you. But... You expected something from him. I still think it's because you had given him so much, and at least from your understanding of your relationship with him, and that this was not a big ask from what you're saying. It was a small thing, but even that he didn't do, and you, I think you were hurt by that. Yes, it is true, but uh, as you said, that you don't expect a random person to do right. that. But uh, I really, um, I've done it, and if a random person just knocked the door and asked me for help that I can do it, I wouldn't say no. And okay. my um, and that's my understanding about the human being. No, I'm, I don't. I do. I mean, I think, and I try to help people I don't know, and I think we should. But I'm saying, it, it's more than just you're saying as a human being. You, I think, you have because yeah, of your yeah, relationship with him. You know. Yeah. And I think from what you just said about where he was, where you, when you met him, very likely you were there for him in a lot of ways, and yeah. maybe you felt like you weren't getting it back. So I think this one incident, it wasn't. What happened itself wasn't so big, or maybe, I mean, it was in a way, but it was more, I think, indicative of this pattern of where you were giving and not getting, and this was a big 
a glaring example for you of like, wow, even something small that he said he would do, now he's not doing. And even I went to his house and he's not even there, so he lied to me, but maybe he's not even that busy where he can't help me and he's not giving me his time. Yes, exactly. Now what I, I, yes, go ahead, go ahead. And it's not the first time, I'm, as I mentioned in the beginning, that it, I've noticed a trend. Uh, about my, my my first relationship, which was my marriage, uh, I had the same issue. And the reason I didn't continue with him after seven years uh, was that uh, when we started, we were just graduated, and uh, we, were in the, we were in the same position. And uh, because of my family background, I was contributing more to our family, I mean, the family of uh, two of us, uh, than him. And when he got to the position that he became a manager, uh, his behavior totally changed. And finally, we got to the point that he told, I asked him, what, your, what do you want that you don't have in our life? And he said that, I want you to listen to me. And I said, okay, uh, I'm, do you mean that I'm not listening to you? He said, no. I want you to accept me as the leader. And uh, I said, don't, I, I told him, don't you think it's kind of dictatorship? He said, that you know that I'm not a dictator. And, that's, and I told him I, I, I didn't become this person randomly. I worked a lot to get to this point. And I'm not going to actually ignore whatever I have done and to get to this um, I mean, status of thinking and belief and just follow you. I respect who you are, but I, I'm an individual and I want to keep my independence. And that was the time that I, I got to the point that despite saying that he's so committed to the morality and humanity and everything, in practice he is not that person. And that was the only reason that I said, okay, I think we are not right people for each other anymore. And uh, it takes time to get to know people, and I'm very positive. I try to ignore those things but and forgive, but not forget. And finally, when I get to the point that yeah. he's not the right thing, I'm not going to continue. Well, yeah, that's not the part about forgive and forget. And we do have to pay attention to the patterns of what's going on. Now, the pattern that it seems that you are talking about is one that many people find themselves, where they are giving more in their relationship than what they're getting. But the part that you have to take the responsibility for is that you are helping to create that pattern. Mm -hmm. So you create a pattern that I have to give more than I get. And, and initially it feels good to you and even feels right. But then over time, you're going to start to resent that person for not giving you as much as you're giving but you have to be aware that you're the one that said this is okay. So it's like, you know, if I said, okay, we're going to go every Friday, we go to this meeting together. And I say, I'm going to pick you up every time you say, oh, let me drive. I say, no, no, let me get you. I'll get you. So every time I pick you up, I pick you up. And then after a year, one time I say, oh, you know, could you come get me? But you're so used to me picking you up. There you go. Oh, I thought you were going to get me. And then I blow up because I'm like, I can't believe all these times I take you that you never come and take care of me. But really, I was the one setting up that pattern. So it seems like you might be creating these types of patterns in your relationships that then the people let you down. But you're the one that's setting things up. The reason why I say that is not to blame you, but to give you to recognize that you have the power to create something different in the future. Yeah, I just want the reason I... I ask for your help is that I just, that is the thing, the, the whole pattern that you mentioned is what I had understood about myself. Uh -huh. I just needed a, a, a professional person to 
and give him information to see is it correct or not. Yes, that's the point I got. And the reason is not that I don't have a self-esteem or those other things. Based on my own understanding, it, the reason is that I follow high standards of the humanity. And I believe that it's my responsibility to do that. And I don't expect anything in return. But uh, I, I used to think that I've done those things to the people that I did the right thing to the wrong people. That's my understanding so but, far. But, okay, I hear what you're saying, and you already kind of, I think you've thought about this and heard about these things before, because you're right, the first thing that comes to someone's mind is self-esteem and that pattern that I have to give more than I get because somehow I am less than you, so that makes the equation balanced, that if I'm giving you more than you give me, maybe we can make things work. Um, but what you said afterwards, I'm not saying I don't think you're a good person, and that you're not doing it out of a, maybe some a good place. But when you say it's to the wrong person, if you're saying I'm just doing it because I'm a human being, then you wouldn't really care who you're giving it to. But I think we all have expectations in a relationship. And it's not unrealistic. If you're dating someone or if you have a really close friend and you feel like, yes, we're not going to keep score. But if consistently I'm doing things for you and you don't give me something back, you're going to get upset. That's just part of who we are. It's not something you have to feel bad about. But it seems like you want to say, I do these things just purely out of being a good person with no expectation, but you recognize that over time you're getting upset or I'm doing it for the wrong person. What does the wrong person mean? The right person is that uh, he or she doesn't have the same standard of the humanity. Okay. I don't keep, I don't, uh, keep uh, tracking the, I mean, the points that what I did, what I received. But when you get to the, perhaps I have many needs that is, which, are, which, is, which are not actually satisfied with the people around me, and I ignore. But finally I get to the point with some of my friends that I, I see that, okay, they, they, it's not just me, they are, they are not the people who actually respect the other people and they try to be nice to the, to the other people. Uh, on that point, uh, re uh, regardless of, uh, I mean, uh, pound counting, I say, I, I tell to myself, okay, it's better not to be around, be around of these people. But it's here's the thing. But the reason why it's taking you time to figure that out is this is what I think happens. Mm -hmm. You find people that like the pattern that you're creating, where you give them more than they give you. Okay? Mm -hmm. And those people like, like, oh, this works for me because I want to give less. But mm -hmm. over time, you start to resent it. And then you say, then you start to become aware, oh, look, this is just who they are. But actually, them being that way was what drew you to them in the first place. You were mm -hmm. looking for that kind of pattern. Then over time, like you said, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a human being. You're, you, we all keep track to some degree of what's mm -hmm. going on. You start mm -hmm. to feel that resentment. And then you start to look and say, oh, look, she's that way with him and with her and with that person. She's the wrong person. But I want you to recognize that you're finding these people or they're finding you because you're, it's an equal exchange. You say, I want to give you 10 and you just give me five. And they're like, okay, great. I actually was looking for someone who'd give me 10 and I give them five. And then you keep going until the point where you get resentful. So I want you to take that responsibility and that awareness that you are somehow finding these people. Even that person you were dating, you mentioned him as a university professor. Maybe somehow you saw him as because he's so 
has such a high status or stature. I want to be with this kind of person. And you created a relationship with him that wasn't making you feel good. On paper, you liked it, but what he was giving you, you didn't like. But you tolerated it for two years because you thought maybe that's the way it's going to be. If I give him more, it's going to work out. But you didn't feel good in it. So my point is not to blame you. My point is not to say that you don't do things for good reasons, but to recognize what's really motivating these patterns that you're creating and very much emphasizing that you're creating them to say that you're not to blame for them, but you can create something different in the future. Somewhere you're accepting a unequal relationship and then down the line getting upset about it. Actually, I don't pick these kind of people. I have so many friends that probably have reciprocal relations. Right. I've my friends since I was five or six. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not talking about those people that I don't have any problem with them. I just wa- wanted to recognize what's wrong. Is there any serious issue about me that I need to take care of that? Or there are some random relations which is normal. To well, have. I mean, it's hard for me to say, and we do have to, to wrap up, but it's hard to say if it's random because it depends on the pattern and how common it is. I want you to look at is it possible you're helping to create them just because maybe you're doing something and then you can not do that something in the future. So I don't know for sure. Um, but you know, there is a feeling in how you described things of you giving and not getting back and somehow being okay with that or seeing that as the moral thing to do just in the ways you said a few things, but then realizing it's actually not coming from a moral place. It's coming from a place of, I have to give more than I get because that's all I can do. So I want you to think about that. Am I somehow creating these, relationships because I feel like I'm not enough. You said it's not self-esteem, but even the way you said it, there was some defensiveness about it. I would at least be open to looking at, is it something in me that I feel like I'm less than and I have to give more? Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not, but at least look at that possibility. Because even the way you described yourself to me was like you wanted me to be impressed by you, that I have two master's degree, I'm working on the second one, my family has a high status, those things, I mean, they can matter in understanding you, but that's not how I'm going to judge you as a person. But it mm-hmm. seemed like you wanted me to be aware. So I felt something about that. I do have to wrap up. I hope you can call back again and we can continue to get even deeper. But I appreciate your call and wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate your time and everything. My Thank pleasure. You. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right. We've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to all the callers, the listeners, and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolakwi. Have a wonderful day.